This episode of Powder Keg is brought to you by MVP Launch Partners, an amazing product development and consulting firm. I've worked with these guys myself, and I can tell you what sets them apart is that they really partner with you to provide product leadership and advice. They take ownership of building a great product, whether it's a website or a mobile app or a software product. And for a limited time, MVP Launch Partners is offering up to six hours of free consulting for Powder Keg Podcast subscribers. It's an incredible deal, so go to mvplaunchpartners.com slash powderkeg to get started. We overlap in terms of who we are as people by probably 98%. You know, the other 2% are what we're good at at work. So that makes a pretty pretty dang easy, but the more we're, more we're around each other, it's like that 2% is the only thing, right? As opposed to the 98%, you can kind of get lost in that sometimes. That was Scott Hill and Andy Medley that you just heard there. And they're the co-founders of a marketing tech company called Perk. That's spelled P-E-R-Q. And in the last episode of the Powder Keg podcast, that's episode 42 for those of you that are keeping count, I talked with Scott about his strength as a visionary with a really unique ability that he has to see business opportunities where a lot of times other people cannot. Now, Andy, on the other hand, is a masterful integrator who harnesses Scott's visionary ideas into detailed and effective business plans. The two of these co-founders have leveraged their individual strengths to build Perk into an innovative world-class tech company based in Indianapolis, Indiana, and they're growing like crazy. I'm your host, Matt Hunkler, and you're listening to episode 43 of Powder Keg Igniting Startups, a show for entrepreneurs, leaders, and innovators who are building remarkable tech companies in areas decidedly outside of Silicon Valley. For this interview with Scott and Andy, I'm joined by my own business partner and the CMO of Powder Keg, Kevin Bailey. If you're an avid listener of the show, you might remember Kevin from episode 37 when we talked about building products that people love. I love that episode, so make sure you uh, check that out if you haven't heard it yet. But in this episode, Kevin and I probe the Perk co-founders for insights into their business partnership and get some incredible strategies for maximizing the benefits of any co-founder relationship. Our guests share everything from the advice on developing their roles as founders to tips on handling leadership disagreements and the inevitable days when you're both feeling maybe a little bit burnt out. We've all been there. I hope this episode teaches you a few valuable lessons on harnessing the power of your co-founder or business partner relationship. I know I learned a ton, as did Kevin. Uh, We've used a lot of their strategies ever since recording this. I hope you enjoy the show. Make sure you give a shout out to Scott, quote unquote, the cheetah. You'll understand this later when you hear the episode. And Andy, the quote unquote, horse. And hit him up on Twitter. Scott is at BizGamer. That's B-I-Z Gamer. And uh, Andy is at Andy Medley. That's M-E-D-L-E-Y. You can hit them up on Twitter. Uh, let them know your questions. Let them know you're following and listening to the show. Uh, without further ado, here are Scott and Andy from Perk and Kevin at Powder Keg. Let's set this thing off. Welcome to Powder Keg Igniting Startups, episode 43. We are recording live from Edge Media Studios in Indianapolis, Indiana. And I am so, so excited for what we've got in store for you today. Um, first of all, I am joined by my business partner and co-founder, uh, just amazing uh, entrepreneur all around. Kevin Bailey is here in the studio with us. Uh, super excited to have you here, Kevin. Thanks so much for uh, taking the time uh, to join me as a co-interviewer. Yeah, this is great. Looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it, too. Um, We've got two really good friends in here with us today, two guys that have built an amazing company. I was actually inspired by their company back in 2007, I want to say, to start my first business when I was in college after uh, touring their office Uh, and went back to Bloomington, started my company that evening purely off of inspiration and a little bit of... uh, 
little bit of direction from the co-founders here uh, that we have in studio. So that is Andy Medley and Scott Hill. Andy is the president and co-founder of Perk. Um, and then Scott Hill, the executive chairman and co-founder of Perk. Thank you guys so much for taking time to be here. Well, thanks for having us. Yep. Awesome. Yeah. We've got, uh, we've, we're doing this live on Facebook. So if you're listening to it live or if you're listening to it in your headphones, make sure you check out the live stream and share it. Uh, we are going to be diving deep on what it means to have a good co-founder relationship to be good business partners. Going deep. Going deep. All right. You ready for this, Andy? I'm ready. All right. All right. Cool. Get your diving gear on. We're going in. Uh, how'd you guys meet? College. We were the same. You guys in the library we were, recruited, we were being recruited by the same fraternity. And uh, my first impression of Andy was uh, walking into a uh, another dorm room being introduced by my future big brother. And Andy was uh, working the... Uh, you know, music, music is DJ being a little too cool for school. Um, and then you know, I was being exactly as cool as I should have been. <laughs> it wasn't trying. And so then actually we pledged and um, then eventually became roommates and got to know each other. Where were you guys going to school? Hanover. Hanover. Yeah. So in the way it works at Hanover, we were all in the same freshman dorm. So he was, you know, one above me. I was one below. And then there was a big group of friends that all kind of ended up joining the same fraternity. So we were hanging out first semester freshman year kind of getting to go through that whole experience together and the awkwardness of college and you don't think of it as awkward and I think of it as awesome right now but you know all that stuff so we got to kind of go through that as a um as freshmen all the way through the end of being seniors and living off campus so did you guys remember the first mission you guys had together you know was it I'm assuming it wasn't a business mission I know that's actually a good call I'd say the first time we actually probably uh, teamed up a little bit was um, we both did some pledge um, education piece to it with um, the pledges in the fraternity uh-huh. and um, Andy um, his partner in that actually ended up not following through on some of the things he was supposed to be doing and so I kind of helped out because I had done it the previous year and so probably actually thinking about it back to it was probably one of the first times of actually kind of aligning on how are we leading these people yeah. what needs to get done what needs to kind of execute to have have, have that happen so uh, actually you know you think about it so our freshman year when you're going through pledgeship right and this is typical fraternity stuff remember we would have we we were allowed to prank the 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 brothers in the fraternity um three times and we had this big thing that we did that was in it was massive coordination we were stealing keys and ultimately (laughs) taking cars that took about two months to do and there was a lot of collaboration between us because we had to take 12 guys get them together all coordinating without the brothers knowing that we're stealing the keys and making the keys and then going from there. So that that's actually that was yeah, that's a big one. Second semester we freshman proud, we year. Proud, we were proud of that one. <laughs> that's that is something to be proud of. Still, for sure. t- still, still talk about that. <laughs> so, so talk to me about how your your roles evolved uh, over time. <laughs> I, you guys eventually became roommates, right? Yep, roommates. Um, I like to tell the uh, story that I recognize that uh, you know down the road when we were actually looking at uh, partnering for business that. Um, when you live with somebody and you know that, okay, all my clothes are on the closet and Andy is walking over those. So he's accepting um, my weakness. And then I'm looking at his very orderly lined out clothes, hung up, you know, perfect. I, I could probably use that strength in my life. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, we got, you know, you get to know the, the good and the bad pretty, uh, pretty closely when you're living with somebody to that degree. So you, you tell that story. Talk to me about how that aligns now to your roles as co-founders. How did you decide well, to even yeah. go into business together? I got the business um, initially going, just the kind of the first part of it. But within those first few months, it was like, hey, this actually could end up working. So showed uh, Andy some of the numbers of what we uh, had going on. And, and um, it was definitely a very conscious decision to not partner up with a great friend. It was a conscious decision to partner up with somebody that I knew had a skill set that would complement mine very well. And then the benefit 
was also that, wow, I actually know the person's character and know that we can go through a lot of, uh, have a lot of fun together and um, seeing down times and good times. And so I uh, had a lot of elements that I thought could end up making it work. And then from there, then we started figuring out how was it that we worked together to actually build a business. But those are some of the kind of the beginning pieces of seeing just, just at the raw piece, he's more organized than I am. And uh, I knew that I was going to need that as a offset, um, some of the craziness that I know that I can bring to the equation. I think early on, real quick, you just need to, you need to recognize that there is massive overlap. Right. There is no clear cut understanding about this is exactly what you do, Matt, and this is exactly what you do, Kevin. You you have specific opinions and you better have specific opinions like what Scott's saying, where um, Scott is awesome creatively. He's got a great vision and I'm really good at, at building something from the beginning. Right. That's it. And then the rest is all of us having to be able to work together to figure out how to fill the pieces in. Naturally, as you get bigger. The specificity in your roles starts to take shape, especially if you're you're honest with each other about what you're good and what you're bad at. Mm-hmm. So that's that's kind of it's not it's not you shouldn't expect right at the beginning to know this is what I do and this is what you do. Yeah, I think over time the um, strengths and weaknesses mm-hmm. naturally enable some of the strengths to get stronger mm-hmm. and some of the weaknesses to even get weaker because you know you can let some of that go. That if you were just a solo. Uh, entrepreneur that you'd have to always constantly be trying to cover the weaknesses, which means you have less time to be able to develop and focus in on the strengths. So in a good partnership, there's things that Andy talked about that overlap where I might be able to do some of those things. Okay. Well, I don't even need to do them. You know, I don't need to even try to do it. Okay. And there's things that I know that I'd bring to the table that Andy could be doing a decent job at, but he doesn't have to focus in on that. And so naturally over time, there's just been a little bit more of a finding out on how to leverage our strengths and weaknesses together. How about um, what you guys enjoy and don't enjoy? Like, do you have anything you guys each do that you don't really enjoy but you're still good at? I have some of those skills sometimes, and it's, like, challenging for me to figure out, like, should I focus on the thing I enjoy the most or the thing sometimes I'm best at but maybe I don't enjoy the most? I don't it's something I, I wrestle with personally. For, I guess, to say it broadly, I love what we do. I believe in what we do. I'm passionate about um, our mission and our vision. I can get behind it. Some of the details on this is going to be the marketing plan or this is going to be the pitch or this is going to be how we're going to message it. I don't care. Um, I, what I care about is that, that it's right, um, that there's logic behind it, that it's going to work. Uh, but how it's said. It's, Andy, Andy's passion comes much more fun from the enjoyment of seeing the building occur. Pieces to what is the building being built around isn't necessarily as important to him as what it is to me to where it's more of my responsibility about we determine where is it that we're going to be able to be successful to have the momentum that can enable to trigger his um, skill set um, to really get his enjoyment and satisfaction. Whereas if we're not growing, he's going to get bored and frustrated. If we're doing something that we hate, I'm going to get bored and frustrated. So what I'm hearing is you guys have kind of aligned more around what you enjoy. Yeah, I, I oh, think yeah. I think that's also – but in the beginning, to Andy's point, of when you're first getting a company started, you don't have the luxury of not doing a lot of the things that you don't like. You're wearing 10 hats each, mm-hmm. and then over time, you keep working on trying to remove the hats that you might not have a skill set um, that you know you're not going to be the best at, that you might not want to cultivate and develop that discipline in. And you can start removing those as you hire people in. But in the beginning, no, I mean I'm QuickBooks trying to figure out how to create – invoices and get them cranked out and freaking hate that stuff um doing collection calls right i mean calling on vendors to be able to help get the jobs process and ordered while you're making a sales call and then you're them accountable yeah all that stuff so all that stuff has to end up being being done by somebody but over time if you can kind of keep looking at the organization as what you see what you want to be able to have being built 
you can start recognizing that I'm not just me at this point. I am me plus 10 other hats that I'm wearing. And then where is it that ultimately that I'm learning that this is the hat that I plan to want to be wearing, where here's how we're leading the organization, but then here are a couple execution kind of capabilities we might keep for the long run and keep developing the skill set in. But then we're the ones that we can start hiring people in to be able mm -hmm. to let, let go of. But in the beginning, you kind of have to think like that of the multiple hat and how to lay it out to be are able you, to get away from it. Are you trying to do the same thing for your staff? Oh, definitely. Once you shed those hats, you're, you're, those hats are going somewhere, right? And ideally, they're going to somebody that's way better than you and, and has and can drive you and push you. You know, I've, we've, I've had that conversation a couple of times this week. How about the people on your team in particular? Do you treat them as trying to get some of their hats off as well? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's that's you know we got Muhammad sitting back there, and that's something we talk about a lot. There is a fine line between um, too much specialization and too much general. Ultimately, in my role, um, I should be the only generalist across different departments: sales, marketing, um, finance. I need to know enough that when I sit across from you, that I can have a I can have a meaningful conversation. I can challenge you. I can understand it down to a certain level. My expectation of you is that you are pushing me with ideas, strategies, tactics that's gonna that's beyond my even my understanding. And then from there, my job is to put those pieces together, right? And to say that works. Okay, yeah, no, no, no. I yeah, we're doing that over. Okay, so you need to get with and as long as that's happening, then that's that's how you all grow. And that's ultimately how you leverage true talent to come in by helping them fit inside of a framework, but expecting them to, to run their business, which is sales or marketing or client success or finance. So yeah, it's definitely from that, yeah. So you, you would say a, a good integrator, a good uh, complement to a visionary is a generalist, somebody who's kind of a mile wide, an inch deep, can kind of have a good perspective on anything, but not fully deep in any one given concentration. You got it. Like, and there are things that I know that I'm not, I'm not good at, right? I, I think, um, Scott, from a from a vision perspective, uh, from a strategy perspective, is awesome. We we kind of meet in that in that strategy piece, and I think what I'm really good at is getting the the bottom of a boat that'll float, right? I can and then I can kind of I can shove it off, and it it can it's going to hold weight, and then I can work with the person that's taking the boat and sailing it, and and know that um, I can help them make sure that we don't build you know a a 30 foot just on one little <laughs> one little pole and it's just going to tip over right i can help them build it but in terms of what's getting put on it i don't know and uh, andy is good <laughs> andy is good at harnessing energy and i think that probably for entrepreneurs um they usually the, the founding kind of person who sees the idea is usually going to end up being more of the vision person mm -hmm. they're going to see the opportunity they're usually going to be great at rallying people around to come want to work in that business and get them some things going um, but usually that same strength that a vision person has of seeing opportunity that um, that helps get something started and helps get people motivated around it. But then at a certain point, now you're actually trying to execute upon what the original vision was. And that same strength when the entrepreneur now is now working within the organization can turn into a weakness because you keep seeing opportunity. And um, that piece can become a distraction to the team and to the company because you're constantly able to see, well, we can do this, we can do that, let's do this, I'm changing that, we're going to make this happen now. And um, it, that energy just turns into almost being put out in so many different directions. You just stay in one place, even though the company and the entrepreneur can be putting out so much energy. What Andy is good at in any kind of starting point is being able to force out clear decisions to be able to say, 
here is where the energy is going to be focused on to where I'm going to power the energy this way so we can at least start heading in a direction. And then once you start having movement forward, then you can start directing where things might be able to naturally have a better place to be able to go. But without having that harness happen, um, you know, the entrepreneur can be more of a wild stallion. Um, you harness, you can actually start pulling a team somewhere. Um, and Andy does a very good job with that with anyone you hire in. He's done a great job with, with me and the overall vision and the strategy of the company is being able to have that energy be harnessed um, to be able to have value, not just energy. Can you talk specifics about how that happens at Perk? I mean, is it come in fresh off your paddleboard in the morning and you're like, <laughs> all right, team, we're going in this direction. And Andy's like, well, actually, we're kind of going <laughs> to harness the energy this way. Or what, what's the real interplay yeah, between you I two mean, guys? It's certainly not that. Um, <laughs> I'm, I, know, yeah. I know. I was using that for comedic, <laughs> comedic effect. Uh, I, I wouldn't come into the team, first of all. Right. Um, yeah. Like we have enough separation that um, – any of my involvement in the team at that level of execution is going to take away Andy's ability to be able to get done what I want him to get done and what he knows he needs to get done. Um, and um, so I think the most part, we're working together on vision changes and strategy things that need to have happen, making sure that we have alignment. Then that would end up going down to a strategy team to have a discussion all within a big part of the process that Andy's put in place that uh, I'd let him to speak more to as to actually taking original as to where I think can become possible. We agree on that. You know, he'll challenge me on that. I challenge him. How does that interplay work? The, ch uh, the Andy, Andy is always a cynic, and I'm always an optimist. Um, so I believe everything's possible. Um, and uh, Andy always comes and is just like, well, that's probably not going to happen. And then from there, you know, he starts forcing out of where I truly have to be determined, like, no, this is happening. I, I would say he probably does a pretty good job of allowing which is the least crazy of the opportunities and ideas I see as possible to focus in energy onto one that actually has the best opportunity to be successful. Um, so there's a good, healthy, and, it, and that doesn't come easy. I mean, this is, it's still ongoing. It's been a 17-year journey of keeping trying to move into where you have good momentum in the now but also having it moving in a direction that can create a bigger opportunity down the road. He, know, he knows process. he knows when we're going to debate, right? And we're, we're, we've done it long enough where he'll send me an idea over and I'm like, that's awesome. I mean, my job in the organization in general is to always disagree. Like you can come to me and say the sky is blue and I'm like, I think it's looking gray. Mm -hmm. Because if your logic isn't good, I'm, that's going to come out in the debate. That's, that is the core of the, the, the culture yeah, of the just, organization. You, you don't get away with Andy with just having an idea. Does that, a, does that constant devil's advocate position ever burn you out? A hundred percent, right? Um, but it's also fun because I'm a natural that's kind of who I am to a natural <laughs> I, I, I like to think natural. It's a bucket uh, of cold water. It is. And I think, you know, what's also not getting said is that for all intensive purposes, we share the CEO title. And there is, and this wouldn't work in every organization, but it's, it's kind of like the WWF tag team. Sometimes he's in the ring. Sometimes I'm in the ring. Sometimes we're both in the ring. And I think... I think our relationship before we started makes that easier. It wasn't always easy too, but in the beginning, but there are times when he is definitely leading the organization and there are times when I'm definitely leading the organization. I am grateful for the times that he is because I can't do what he does. And so there's a, there's times right now, right? With launching new markets and figuring out what's going to work and how product market fits going to be there. I'm there to support him and he uses me as a great filter. But the reality is, is like, I'm going, Hey dude, Whatever, whatever we're doing sounds good to me in, 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 in X market, right? And then at a certain point, I'm going, okay, you got to 
Once scale starts happening, yeah. then that's when I start passing the baton off. But I know it's my responsibility leveraging not just Andy, but other people in the organization for yep, figuring for out sure. the terminations and the ideas as for to sure. where that ends up going. And we definitely are at this point more than, you know, we're talking a lot about just the co-founder partnership here. It's, you know, much larger than that as the people that we're getting involved and helping to be able to make all those decisions. And that brings a different dynamic into the um, partnership because you always have to know you have each other's backs. So there's going to be times where he's in a meeting with some individuals that might be frustrated with me. I might be in a meeting having somebody frustrated with Andy and it's constantly – that, all... that rarely happens. <laughs> <laughs> it always happens. Ha you guys I mean, I, I, my past experience with Slingshot, we had a whole lot of different situations as well. Um, do you guys ever have a situation where maybe, Andy, you have something you're working on, kind of Scott comes in, Monday morning quarterback on the side, is that something that ever happened in the past and maybe he starts to change something and it kind of throws it out of alignment for a minute and you got to talk with Scott about it, kind of get it back on track. It's, it's kind of a typ typical visionary thing. I had a, I worked with a good visionary who sometimes would do that every once in a while. I don't know if you guys ever struggled with that or if you guys were really good at, at understanding the lines. How do, how do you understand I, yeah, what yeah, lanes yeah. to swim in? I, I, I think an easier an, an anecdote that uh, that Jenny, our sales our sales leader, um, I heard her say at a um, at a public gathering, and then she talked to me about it afterwards. And one of the reasons she chose um, to come come to us was because she's never heard us say a bad thing about each other, right? And I think that translates into a public setting where. We're we're not we can disagree and debate in front of a team. I mean, we we did that a lot more back in the day than we than we do today. Why is but, that? Nah, just maturity. Yeah, that's that's, <laughs> that, that's it. Yeah, it's it's not. There's no yeah lack of professionalism back in the day. Uh, but the reality is, is that we we pride ourselves on staying on the same page. And um, any disconnect in the short term, immediate action steps of what's taking place, like in the next week, we're way past that. I mean, that's, you know, anybody walking in and, and one of us walking in and going, no, 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 we're not doing that this week. We're doing this. It's like we're, we're trying to be years out. Yeah, I, I think it's just a mutual respect that has to develop for what the person's role is and knowing that when you're in a team setting, if Andy is leading something and I have some challenges on it, I'm coming into his office later and talking to him about it and adjusting it that way. That if I do it in front of the team, then I'm doing a disservice as to what our partnership and what his requirement in that partnership to be able to get done is. I'm making his job harder, which then makes my goals harder. Um, and vice versa, if he's had some vision challenges and stuff, if we're not in the appropriate setting, he's not going to come and yeah, he's not going to be doing yeah, it in front of people. Um, so it just kind of takes time. But, you know, right now, I was actually just telling my wife last night, I mean, Andy and I's partnership right now is on fire. I mean, we are, we are doing great on um, challenging each other, advising each other, pushing each other. Um, and we're both working our butts off right now. But um, that's, a, you know, it's like any marriage. I mean, you know, we've been a 17-year marriage. He hates when I use that term. But that's basically what it is. <laughs> this is. This is a harder one to get out of than a real marriage. like, I did not sign up for that. <laughs> but um, there are peaks and valleys in any relationship, in any marriage. Um, I, I talk to my wife about it. And there's times where it's just like, wow, this couldn't get any better. And there's times where you accept, like, oh, we're in another valley. And we know why it is. And here's how we're going to work through it. Wow, we got a newborn. This kind of, we're struggling. You know, all that kind of stuff. Up. In business, you have the same kind of peaks and valleys, and uh, it takes a healthy communication to work through a lot of the things that you're talking about, um, to enjoy the good times, but also to be able to have communication to where um, you're able to work through the valleys and understand that in any kind of relationship that you're together that much, there will be those dynamics. And when you hit those, not to think that, you know, this is maybe this isn't what we should be doing or not working. Like, no, this is just real life relationship where you're challenged every single day um, to make something happen. When, when you're in those moments that are maybe um, 
more trying times in the business. Is there something that you guys do to kind of help bring you back to baseline? Like, especially when things like emotions can get high, you, you might be grinding it out, you know, longer days than normal. Is there something that kind of helps get you back and in, in, in alignment? Because it, it seems like you guys spend most of your time in alignment, but I, you know, with any partnership, with any marriage, not that I'm married, but any, any relationship. Uh, so, so, something's coming here. <laughs> No, I thought. Oh, you're gonna smirk. I thought. I thought. No, yeah. I thought okay, you, oh, you guys are so cute. Married <laughs> couple in 17 years. Oh, uh, I can't. I felt right. The way I, I thought you might jump into it because he he hates it when it's like the marriage talk. But usually it ends up triggering with if we can tell one of us is. You know, there'll be times where you can start feeling the tension between each other, and it takes somebody to be like, "Hey, is there anything that I'm doing that's bothering you?" Um, is there anything? And usually that's like, okay, well, what is it that you're wanting to tell me that I'm driving you crazy on? But that's usually how it happens is first, you know, I want to make sure like, what can I do to make something better here? And then, okay, awesome. Now that, now that you've told me that, and really, here's what I want to tell you. Here's how you're driving me crazy. But usually, I mean, that takes time. It doesn't happen very often anymore. Um, but in the beginning parts where I talk about the communication, you have to have that openness and the reality around each other, which we've had we had the good fortune of being friends andy is a very very direct i've actually you know, the whole people like don't care what somebody else thinks he is actually literally the only person in my life that truly like doesn't care what people think especially on the business kind of piece to it he is there to get the most out of somebody's talent and energy and drive for their own performance he's like an amazing coach and so i'm more of a person that really does care what people think um so that dynamic in the relationship can you know is good but it also can kind of create some different like oh i'm feeling andy's energy whereas andy's like i don't even know you're upset um you know it's like oh well okay i gotta sit down and have a marriage talk here just because it was mean doesn't mean it wasn't true right? <laughs> so Again, you and, really not care what people think andy Oh, I, I mean, that would be that would be way too easy to say that. I think I'm less aware. Um, it, I'm aware when I might I know that I'm that you might be walking away. Uh, what would bother me is if I thought you were walking away and I challenged you incorrectly, right? Or unprofessionally, or um, not in a way that was going to make you better. He's but, not ever going to leave something unsaid because your potential feelings, if it needs to be said. Okay, so you're consciously aware, but you value truth over harmony sometimes. Yeah, and there's a, you know, we talk a lot about it at work um, with the team, which is the hardest thing to, the, the hardest thing about starting a difficult, the hardest thing about a difficult conversation is just starting the conversation. And at that point in time, if the end result of what you're after is, is good, right? And, and correct and beneficial, then the difficult conversation isn't difficult. You're just working through something that might be a little bit challenging. And I think that is the faster you can have a team that, that, that all kind of works that way, the faster you kind of cut through this this BS layer of like I don't want to hurt you know Kevin's feelings right now because I'm going to tell him something that no I mean we're not yeah and a lot of things that would happen I think on a um, as an entrepreneur vision person what you use to be able to get somebody to want to come work there to be energized by the company to feel that energy this is what we're going to be do this is what's possible it's tough to have that same person also be the person being like, okay, now I'm, now I'm going to get the most out of you in order to have that occur. Yeah, talk about that a little bit, Scott. I mean, you holding kind of the firekeeper, keeping the energy of the company. It's very exhausting if you're the firekeeper all the time. Um, I went through that. I don't ever want to go through it again. So I try not to do it. I try to kind of like be the, you know, prodder of you know, energy of when it's needed, um, be a lightning rod or something. Being the energy piece to it to where when something new has to have happen or when you can recognize that, People might be not seeing where we might be able to be going and how do we get people motivated to go have that happen. That is a different 
um, skill that has to be developed over time. There's some natural kind of pieces to it, but you work on knowing when to do it, how to do it. But it's also very difficult to be that person who's trying to be able to be the motivator and the energizer, but then also be the accountability person at the same time. So um, that's where Andy ends up coming in on being a much more of the accountability kind of part to it. I'm I'm not good at it. I I, I probably value harmony a little bit too much over the um, directness of what needs to have happen. I've learned to try to be aware of it, but I also have learned how to avoid situations where that weakness may even hurt the organization. How do you deal with your down days? Like I'm I'm reflecting on my own experience. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, I remember when I was CEO of Slingshot, like there would be days, I mean, I did my share of the firekeeping and there would be days sometimes where I was like, how am I going to get myself in a position to go in there knowing everybody, all eyes will be on me and everybody's yeah. going to be, you know, assessing how I'm feeling. Uh, we, were, we were talking about this last night. The, the short answer is you got to suck it up. The benefit of a partnership is that, that Scott and I can be upset, not excited, depressed with each other questioning what's going to happen in the future. Is this the right move? I'm not right sure because we're right in the beginning pieces of it. I mean, we can do that with each other. But when you're inside with the team, Muhammad's job, other executives' jobs, their job is to is to be 100% confident, 100% excited, and 100% believing in what it is that we're trying to accomplish. Um, because the people that come to them need to feel comfortable to say sometimes when they're having their bad days, they've got to have somebody to talk to. And that person is their rock. And it kind of works up. It's okay. I am a sounding board for the executive team when they come to me. They want to talk to me about, I don't know, is this right? <laughs> you know, like the total, you know, I love those conversations. That's exactly the right conversation I should be having. And I love the fact that they feel comfortable having those conversations with me. My job for them is to, is to, get them back to the point where they feel good about what it is, remind them about what it is that we're trying to do and how that fits into the bigger picture. And then they leave, hopefully re-energized, and they don't, that doesn't translate to the team itself. We've said that, we'll say this intermittently, where it's like, thank God we are doing this together because it would. I can't imagine being by myself. It would It would be... That was actually something I wanted to, to key in on. I heard from Scott a couple, uh, couple days ago that... You guys do a practice I was highly curious about, which is two-month sabbaticals for each of you um, every now and again. I told him that I'd take to, one. To avoid, you, you to avoid to burnout. Katie <laughs> would be like, well, crap, I haven't taken my two-month sabbatical yet. <laughs> yeah, no, I, 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 and our roles are different that way. Um, I think it's good for him from a creative standpoint. And I know that when he leaves and comes back, it's exactly what what the organization needs. And he's gotten incredibly effective at understanding how to channel that energy. I mean, it's what we have as an opportunity wouldn't be, wouldn't be what it was. You know, I wouldn't have the same opportunities in my life if it wasn't for, you know, what Scott's, what Scott's skill sets are. And I also am fully aware that what his role is, is necessary for him to be away. It also enables me to get out of the way for Andy to do his job too. So there is a recharging kind of piece to it that is awesome. That enables me to come back full of energy and have time to get away a lot of the stuff off my plate that I've gotten more into execution mode than creative mode to be able to know what things might pop up in the head when I'm not grinding on make you know the execution part. Um, but it also forces things off my plate. So this is the most recent time I had two uh, executives reporting to me on the product side. Um, and I had hired them in, I helped get the, you know, everything going with them, but we had reached the point to where my involvement with them was causing more frustration for everybody rather than having one team unified underneath Andy. And so it made it easy to have that two month kind of piece to it and be like, well, all right, you're reporting to him for two months. I'm not even here. And then by the time you come back, it enables me to be able to say everything is totally off my plate. Now, where is the best 
within the framework of the vision and strategy we have put in place, where can I now best apply myself in execution mode within that harness to say, now I'm working in the organization, not on it, but I'm in that harness to be able to say, now here's how I'm pulling as hard as we can within it. Do that for a period of time. Um, I, I use the cheetah and the horse uh, analogy. I am much more of a cheetah. I can run extremely fast. I can make some amazing thing happen, but I will need, I will crash and I will lay in the sun and need a chance to be able to recover from that. Andy is much more like a horse in which he can carry people on his shoulders for long periods of time consistently over and over and over again. And to me, that sums up probably the best way as to where our roles come into play of by the time I'm ready to fall down and I need a break, Andy is there to be able to pick up and be able to have that on his shoulders in some fashion to be able to continue that momentum moving forward while I set up to be able to know where is it the first next place that we can have a major impact on moving something forward. It's interesting. I still wonder if you'll take a vacation. It's Slingshot. We did. Um, we kind of did that. Not two months, probably more like two weeks to a month, but we would kind of cycle on that. And we did have a understanding that each of us were capable of running the organization for a short period of time. Um, and that was that was great sometimes to get that chance to recharge, to just look at things a little differently. Yeah, I think, he, I mean, we talked about him doing that, um, but it wouldn't come back to me. Um, it would be how we would groom somebody else in the executive team to be able to have a shot at just organizing that kind of part to it. Uh, I would assist that person, um, but I don't think that's something that it, we would, conf at this point, it would confuse the team too much if I were to step back into that role. I, uh, my funnest experience, or my the funniest experience, experience for me on that was I did that early in the slingshot days and came back and we had a four-day work week and Jeremy and Aaron were like hey we uh, let's do this four-day work week dude what do you think I'm like I'll we'll give it a try I think and then it became like a big part of our culture 20 percent productivity <laughs> gone yeah. Andy and I would come back and be like do you think we could get a six-day work week out of everybody and what would it take to have that happen and, and, I mean in all honesty I mean I could be gone for a month right now I mean, our team's strong, and and there is. It's funny for we're at a, we're at an inflection point where my role is changing. You know, there's always that uncomfortableness that takes place. So it's it. You know, there. My when I when you first said that, I instantly went to what Scott was thinking. And I'm also in the back of my mind going, these guys, these guys got it. I mean, they. You know, we're at a point in our organization now where they certainly join for the mission, right? And they believe what we're doing, and they love the culture, but they work for their boss. And their boss isn't me and their boss isn't Scott. We might help in the recruiting process, and we, we certainly do a, f a tremendous amount of recruiting. But they come and they work for Muhammad or they work for Paul or yeah. they work for Jenny. And getting that transition to that, have that occur and getting the company to a size where that was possible helps out with a lot of that energy piece Absolutely. of not being the fire for that first 40, 50 people where you – really are like making everything's energy possible and happen and it's just it, it and there's a certain point where you have to get out of the way of that otherwise you just will burn up yeah talk to me about how you guys approach the culture because you walk into the perk offices you talk to anyone at perk you you feel that energy of of the culture and my guess is that that was very intentional not just sort of like something that evolved on yeah. its own especially when you've got a cheetah and a horse you know it's like which culture are you going to be? I imagine it's some combination of the two. So it's like, how, how did, yeah, how did you guys evolve that? Intentional from day one, um, first hire, doing open book management. Tell me about open book management. What is that? Um, so we share all the financials with the company. Um, they're able to see um, all, all the financials that we look at on a, a profit and loss piece of it. Um, they're able to see um, what we're trying to work with on cash, how we're trying to make those investments pay off. And they're involved in hearing the strategy and the execution and being able to see a lot of those components come together. Our goal as from what originally started out was I wouldn't want to work in a company in which I wasn't also being able to kind of feel a part of the game being played. 
And so everybody has to understand there's different roles within that game that's being played, but we at least want people to feel like they're aware of that piece of it and understand how it might be coming together. That also encourages someone to be able to see how they might be able to have a better impact, um, be able to seek out a role to have more of an impact in, into that game. But at the very least, um, we want everybody to feel a part of that whole process and we try to share as much as what we possibly can. But that, that's another example, I think, on the par partnership piece. Um, that vision on that culture was definitely something from the very beginning laying out as to what I wanted that to feel and be like. And Andy has put in the process in place in which I very little have to even think about culture at this point. Um, he has put together the process, the systems, the accountability, the people involved that have an ongoing process ensuring, making sure that the team now has more ownership of that um, culture that we set the original foundation for in place. Um, so if I was still the one trying to make that be an awesome place to work, I mean, it would be less I could do and go get something else made um, to get started in a good way. So, so it was sort of like you came to the table with this open book management piece together. And then from there, Andy kind of created the systems, making sure that, you know, we're not just showing you profit and loss, we're explaining what that means and how that drives into key performance indicators and how that drives into your quarterly yeah, goals. I'm very good at talking about what could be possible. I, we would still be talking about all the things you could learn and do as a part of the pulp culture. Pulp culture. Um, that would sound amazing, but if I was the one doing it, you would get in there and be like, well, I don't see a lot of this stuff actually happening. <laughs> Andy actually ensures that it's in, actually in, there. And in, in it's, it's, not, it's not like you just know what to do. Right. I mean, there's, there's a lot of selling for a couple years and <laughs> what it is that we do. And there's not a lot, you know, there, there's not much, there's not much depth to that pool. So it's a constant uh, evolution. It's sure. a constant evolution. I mean, the way we think about it today is that we have three core tenants, right? It's all wrapped around the idea that we treat business as a game. The first is that you have a meaningful mission, which points everybody in the right direction. What's your meaningful mission? Creating meaningful engagement between consumers and brands. That's what we work towards every single day. That's what our product is. Nailed right? it. And the second thing is that we want to um, make sure that every single person in the organization understands how their role on a minute-by-minute, hour-by-hour basis impacts and ultimately allows us to accomplish that mission. Because you spending your time here, that's a choice, right? And you're giving a lot of your work. You're giving, or you're giving a lot of your time of your life and you're committing it to, to perk in this instance. So it's, it needs to be meaningful. Um, and, and you need to understand why it impacts this grander vision of what it is that we're trying to accomplish. The last piece is that we, as an organization promise that we're going to continue to bring in talented and like-minded individuals. Those are the three core tenets of our culture. Now, once those are kind of in place, Really, my my responsibility inside of the culture, if we're calling it accountability, another way of, of thinking about it might be in the terms of the of the word urgency. Momentum keeps me up at night, and the fickleness of that is what I think about a lot. Complacency because we have a good quarter, too much upsetness if we have a bad quarter. Um, you know, the idea is that that just that right amount, right? That right amount where you can have fun, but you're working your butt off. Right. And, and, and for me, there's a there. It's a feel a little bit. You have systems and you have metrics and you can you have it, but you can walk into that organization and you can either know that people aren't working very hard or you can know and we're feeling way too good about ourselves or you can go, guys. All right, let's loosen up a little bit, okay? I mean, one bad month. Let's let's let, let, you know. Let's, it is no big deal. We're gonna get we're gonna get hit in the face a lot, and so that urgency is something that you're constantly kind of ba balancing around this structured environment. If that makes sense, it makes a lot of sense. And, and to, 
constant evolution on that piece to it. So you talked about the vision, I mean the mission, and then the vision um, we just recently adjusted to be kind of stealing from Elon Musk's master plan is that the company we felt was beyond the standpoint of just having here's a vision, we're trying to accomplish this goal. It was actually, we felt we had gotten to a point to where our vision was clear enough to be able to say, here are the multiple steps we plan on taking as a company in order to be able to help be able to have this big goal we have in place turn into a reality. And so that was Andy coming in and I was working on being able to how to communicate some of the plan that we had to have happen. He was the one that put it in the structure of saying, let's just, let's just borrow from what Elon Musk did, just lay it out like this. And then um, I played lead on a lot of that content with him challenging back as to what that is. But for me to feel comfortable that I could stand behind saying, this is what we're going to go do. And Andy to feel comfortable with, yes, I've had my input into it. And that is what we're going to go do is stand in front of the company and say it. That is the harness. That is what causes me to where when we're now looking and a salesperson comes in and says, man, I just got off the phone with this real estate company and this is going to be awesome and we could really do it. They want to buy it. And I've already determined that real estate is not a market we can take on right now. I know they want to buy it. I know you want to sell it, but that is outside of this harness of where we're going to be able to get to where we want to. If we accomplish these next things, real estate will be there. And if real estate passed us by by that point, well, there'll be another opportunity that we can pursue. But if we start trying to take that on now, along with all that we're already trying to get done, we're not going to get anywhere. Having that written down, having that be forced out, and I do like the harness kind of piece to it, keeps me from just bucking around anywhere which way I can go and actually cause me to know, wow, I don't want to get in front of Andy and have to be like, I'm outside of what we talked about. I don't want to be in the front of the company and be outside um, what we talked about. But there are times where changes do happen and it's in a written word, which means there'll be times as a strategy company, we'll be getting in here and being like, let's review what we have here. Do we all still agree this is actually what we should be doing? Or if things adjusted to where we can adjust the harness, but you don't go outside the harness unless you've adjusted it to where you know that as a company, you're all pulling in one direction. Have you naturally kind of learned how to develop the discipline to stay that focused as a visionary or is that yeah. constantly challenging for you? Um, I always feel trapped. I mean, we are spending a ton of money. We have 110 people in there and we're not touching remotely of the opportunity of what I want to go after and what I see as possible. Um, so very much in the discipline of, um, I very much don't want to be perceived as the crazy idea entrepreneur who's just full of ideas, but is a little too chaotic to be able to get value out of it. So there's some self-awareness that took place. You know, you usually be on plan a little long enough. You kind of get some more self-awareness. Having a great friend and partner challenging on those things, you get more aware of it. Certainly, being aware of it has helped make Andy's job easier, I would hope. Um, and it's still a constant challenge that I'm, I'm sure at times I get outside of it, even what I'm trying Saying to Saying yes to is fun, right? Yeah, <laughs> hell yeah, let's do that. That'll kick ass, right? And I mean, and then you realize that you're nowhere, right? All you've done is you've just pressed the gas pedal and you just happen to be in mud. You go, whoa, and you go, well, we just wasted gas, which just costed money, and we haven't, we haven't, we haven't gone anywhere. You put some yeah. super swamp right? on And there. it take. I mean, and that is, I mean, the, in the in the in the balance in that is that part of what he needs to we have to we have to make errors, right? We have to test stuff, but you have to understand the reasons behind what it is that we're trying to accomplish. Not just randomly testing. Not those. just randomly testing stuff. What do you guys do when you get into gridlock where you're just not gonna come to resolution on something? Because you got two people. We had three at slingshot, so we had a yeah, third. Three would be tough. Well, at least we had a third to say, "Hey, I'm citing this way or that way." Mm. With you guys being two, when you guys are just like not seeing eye to eye, what what do you guys do? Um, keep talking. I don't think we've ever not. It's taken, it's taken longer times than others. Um, but you keep working it out until there's some yeah. sort of, do you like compromise. stay in the room until there's resolution or, no, or no, will no. you be we like, would, let's put a fight. pin in this. Be a fight. And, <laughs> yeah. Who would win? 
I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I think we know who's doing, doing boxing training every day. Boxing uh, <laughs> now I know why you both stay in <laughs> such good shape. It would be, you should make it a reality it, TV show. It would be a couple of, be <laughs> like a couple of scrolls fighting. It would be. <laughs> Maybe our next powder cake event. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I, so it, we what we've gotten good at is that we know when the other person isn't in a, isn't open to discussion, right? I'll, I'll come back later. Yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll come back later, right? And I think that's one where we haven't used is the, is the concept of self-awareness in the form of a partnership. You know, Scott is much better about bringing feelings to the table than I am. I'm just not good at that. I'll, I'll just, you know, let it eat me up on the inside, and he's better at making that, making that possible. I also have to be aware of how stubborn I am. That self-awareness, I mean, that's just one minor example. We know each other very, very, very well, right? And the reality is that we overlap in terms of who we are as people by probably 98%. You know, the other 2% are what we're good at at work. So that makes a pretty pretty dang easy, but the more we're more around each other, it's like that 2% is the only thing, right? As opposed to the 98%, you can kind of get lost in that sometimes. So that self-awareness allows you to um, know when times aren't going well. And you and, and I, I know it. I mean, you know, it's like morally, um, I don't know how you guys are, but when my mom's in my head, right? When I'm, when I'm, when I might do something and I, you know, what would my mom think of that? Right. Um, I think when it comes to business decisions, a hundred percent of the time, Scott's in my head. And I know that I'm debating Scott in my head when I'm, when I, before I go to him, Right. It makes the decisions better in general when I'm working with our team. It makes us it makes me better when I'm prepared to have a conversation with him when I'm trying to sell something. And I think that's the ultimate partnership is that I'm I'm constantly debating him in my head, which sucks. But having him in my head. It sounds like you're pretty consistent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's the same type of thing. Uh, it's, you know, I'll be looking at things and knowing what I want to say and do and knowing that I'll have to go review that with Andy. So I'm not even going to let myself say what would be easy. Talk about that harmony thing. I'd rather have the battle here and not have to go and do the harmony here, but then have to go back to Andy and talk about what just kind of took place because I chose to have harmony over sticking the course of what we already committed to or whatever it might be. Talk to me a little bit about education. Um, I, I know that you guys went through a pretty crazy period a few years ago, just in terms of what the business was doing. I mean, you, when I went and toured Perk back in 2007, I think it was your third year as best company in Indiana to work for, mm -hmm. maybe fourth year on the Inc. 500 fastest growing companies list. Talk to me about how you guys continue to grow, even when you're growing like crazy like how do, how do you continue to push yourself to get better yeah. so that you stay on that trajectory well you had the first growth ride where um the business grew so fast and we accomplished so much and then what we even thought was even possible when we first even started it um it, the business got ahead of both of our ability to lead it we uh, andy wasn't as good at that time and organizing and um structuring and i certainly wasn't as good to be able to know where to take the business now that we've achieved this level and so big believer in that when the student's ready, the teacher appears. And so the Harvard Business School program appeared to be able to go seek out that uh, knowledge and awareness. And it had a tremendous impact on me to be able to understand how to get some of that ability of self-control. You know, when you start seeing all that layout and you pay that kind of money to have that kind of education of understanding this is what a good business strategy is made up of. It forces me to have, okay, there's only, you only need so much vision and then you need focus around a strategy to turn that vision into reality, not constantly getting turned on by all the things you see as possible. I think it had a tremendous impact on Andy, um, even more so on just being able to have the organizational pieces of the business to be able to have that value, be able to uh, um, be attained. 
then we went through the recession and learned a tremendous amount from that piece. Um, so you're always constantly I, – I, I like to say I always want to be, feel like I'm challenged because there was a part in that business to where I got bored and I was bored because I wasn't being challenged and I wasn't being challenged because I didn't know what to do. And so um, I always want to be able to feel like I'm ahead of the business so that way I can challenge and push to where I can feel that challenge and opportunity and don't ever allow myself to get complacent because of confusion or boredom or lack of vision. Yeah, that, that education was um, – we've all done sales, right? And so when you when you get done with your first sale and you can look back at the whole process and you go, oh, that's A to B, right? Okay, I got it. Because when, when you haven't gotten to B, you're looking – you're standing there at A going like, how do I – and so um, – Harvard was getting yourself above the business and going, oh, okay, these are all the pieces, and this is what it looks like if it's complete, and this is how it works in harmony, and this is how you scale it, and this is what huge companies are doing. Okay, well, who the hell are we? And that was one of the nice things for us is that when we went there, we thought we were pretty cool, and then we got there, and we were a spec, you know, I'm sitting next to it's a guy. It's always nice to have the poorest house in the neighborhood. Yeah. And yeah. That was our equivalent <laughs> of going to the guy a three, a, guy, a, a guy from India that's running a $3 billion family owned business. Right. And you're going, okay, well we did 30 million last year. You yeah. guys did that. We, more we, thought, than we thought we were pretty cool. <laughs> no, no. So that was nice too. I mean, the humbleness aspect of it. And I mean, if you're a naturally competitive person, you wouldn't be in this business. If you, you wouldn't be in business. If you weren't, that also is like, and then you get to know them, you're like, you're no better than me. <laughs> I can do that. Well, it sounds like you've really pushed yourself to surround yourself with people who are steps ahead of you. I mean, do you each have your own sort of mentors that are helping shape you as either the integrator or the visionary type uh, of the business? Um, yeah, from a vision kind of standpoint, that's not something that uh, I, I usually need more help on harnessing the vision part. Then I'll, I'll read and find different ways to be able to get the inspiration to see different things. I need to surround. I need to be in environments to where there's. If, if I'm trying to be able to learn more about what we can do on a marketing technology piece, I need to be around more of that, and then ideas and inspiration will come. Bill Godfrey has had a big impact on us as a business. Uh, as a for, for those that aren't yeah, in yeah. Indianapolis, can co you explain? Co-founder of uh, a Primo here, one of the first marketing tech platforms, sold it uh, for a very large amount, and. Um, we were able to uh, sell him on getting on board and believing in our dreams and um, being able to help advise us to be able to make possible. He is very much. Thanks, Bill. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I think that he is um, more of an, he'll, he'll say this, he is more of an operator in the mold, mold that Andy is than, you know, vision type of person. Um, so He was a CEO, right? Yeah. I, I've met with his co-founder, Rob, as well, who's definitely more of an idea product kind of person. So being able to see that kind of partnership and how that kind of, you know, getting to know them as individuals separate. I've never even seen them work together, but I can imagine. Um, and um, so he, he's had he's had a big influence for sure on, on both of us. B biggest lesson you've learned from Bill? Uh, when Bill, uh, when I laid out everything that we were going to do as a company, uh, the software and all that it was going to do, and here's how all businesses are going to pay for it, and he went up and he erased 90% of it and said, if you just do this, you'll accomplish all the goals that you need. And it's like, uh, he's like, you have no idea how hard it's going to be just to get that 10% piece done. And so that's another uh, piece to it. I mean, that was that was just four years ago, right? I mean, so. It, how, did, how did that feel immediately as a visionary, you know, being like, I want to do this and you want me to do that? I do usually don't argue with logic. Um, when it's there. If you don't have logic and we're just going off opinion, then I'm going to take my opinion. I'm usually going to win that opinion battle uh -huh. in my head. And so, sure. you know, it's, what's going to happen? Good it was a relief. 
It was a relief. It was a relief. <laughs> got a nice side. Yeah, it was a relief. But I mean, Bill, you know, he came. You know. you're, you're behind Bill, like yeah, yeah. Let's <laughs> that. No, I, if I'm not at the stage to listen to uh, Bill Godfrey at that point, then I certainly hadn't gotten to a point of the self awareness that I, that I said that I had. Um, I might have argued with him at 27 and thought that, like, well, you just. That's why you limited yourself, Bill. <laughs> um, Self-limiting beliefs. <laughs> I certainly wasn't doing that at 37. Um, it was like, okay, got it. I'll erase 90% of that. But now what's great is that when I focus in on that, what we were going to focus in on isn't even the product that we ended up creating. Uh, we actually found out what we truly were needing to actually create by focusing in on that one piece. And now that we're having great success momentum with that, then we're now able to start seeing how some of these other things that I initially had laid out could become possible, um, but we wouldn't have gotten there by tackling all of that. It was by saying just doing this, and now it's adding you know one little thing at each time and recognizing that this is a long journey um, and that you don't have to see exactly what it's going to be down that road. You have to have an idea of where you're going, and then you have to see exactly as to what you're going to be doing in this next quarter, this and, next year to make that possible. And the trickle-down effect is across the organization is – huge right it it makes everything so much easier to align and everybody's responsibilities inside of that small i have air quotes up here right small idea uh-huh. right which is a grand big huge vision but compared to what we thought is smaller um everybody goes i got it right and then it just works right especially if you have talented people in it so as specific Right. Remove the word small. It's a bad idea. Bad word. Um, Specific. As specific as the idea can be makes you incredibly, incredibly focused and um, free to move very, very fast. So you guys have talked a little bit about the vision of what you're working on, the culture uh, that is perk. Talk to me about what you're doing now, what you're excited about. Uh, We have a few minutes left and and I want to make sure we're talking about – what you're doing at perk because i think it's really exciting we've used the technology ourselves uh, to drive engagement with our product and our audience yeah so everything that we're working on right now is in uh, improving the consumer experience to increase website engagement and conversion um, for those business verticals in which their prospects their customers are online doing research but then there's usually a next step to a physical sale Um, so those business verticals don't really have a great marketing software that helps them be able to get the value of even their website, it's almost totally disconnected because so much of their business is still in the physical side. So automotive, furniture, and multifamily apartments is what we're focused in on right now. And then we'll keep moving on to the different verticals that uh, have good budgets, good sales price, and consumers are doing a lot of time on the website and then sales occurring, but there's just not been a technology that makes that consumer experience much better to cause a consumer to want to spend more time on site, engage, become a lead, and actually take that next step to be on a sale. We're able to track that all to really give somebody to be able to look at their website as well. Look at the money I'm making for my website, not just the traffic I'm seeing go from Google Analytics. It's an exciting product, exciting company. What's next for the company, Andy? What's next for the company? Yeah, well, what are the things that, you, we that you're working on? We are in what's next, yeah. right? So again, focus, boys. What we're, what we're working <laughs> on has a has significant addressable market, and we are going vertical by vertical, and our job is to continue to increase those verticals while improving the product that we have in the existing verticals. So we get in with a product that we think is the best it could be to, to make ourselves successful in that, and then we add on, and we learn, and we get feedback, and we add on additional services, but we stay focused at the core um, and tackle more and more and more. So not, I'm not looking for a job, but are you guys hiring? <laughs> of course yeah. we're hiring, yes. yes. Uh, many positions. Many... Check out our website, perk.com with a Q. P-E-R-Q. Backslash culture. Cool. Uh, if people want to find you guys online individually, is there a social platform that you each have a preference for using? 
Uh, you can find me at Twitter, BizGamer with a Z. B-I-Z Gamer. Yep. How about you, Andy? And then seemingly nobody in the planet has Andy Medley as a name, so Andy yep. Med- at Andy Medley. Awesome. We'll link that up in the show notes. We'll put all of this uh, with links to some of the resources we talked about on powderkeg.com. Kevin and I really uh, appreciate you guys being as candid as you are helping us, uh, you know, as we're figuring out our our co-founder relationship and how we can best grow this organization at Powder Keg. And I'm sure all of our listeners here on Powder Keg, if you're still listening, still watching, uh, I I hope that you will share this uh, through your Facebook feed, share this with friends, uh, share this with potential entrepreneurs because there's so much value in uh, in what you guys shared. And I hope you'll come back and join us sometime. Thanks for having us. Yeah, this is awesome. Thanks, Thanks, guys. guys. Absolutely. Thank you. That's it for our interview with Scott Hill and Andy Medley, the co-founders of Perk, but it does not have to be the end of the conversation. Again, you can find both of these amazing entrepreneurs on Twitter. That's at BizGamer. That's Scott, B-I-Z Gamer. And then you can find Andy at Andy Medley. That's spelled M-E-D-L-E-Y. You can find out more about Perk at P-E-R-Q We've used it on our site to drive leads and engagement for content. Uh, these guys are amazing partners of ours, so I really hope you check them out. Uh, we love these guys. It's amazing what they're doing. Uh, but if you want more of Scott Hill, you can get it right now. Just go back one episode uh, and listen in the one-on-one interview with him. I've already re-listened to it myself. So many good nuggets in there. That's episode 42, when we talk about building a visionary skill set to help identify and capitalize on all kinds of business opportunities. I love that conversation. But if you want more of Kevin Bailey, and trust me, I cannot get enough of Kevin Bailey. <laughs> I have uh, literally in the office late tonight with him doing a little uh, after hours work on uh, a couple projects. But Kevin is is my business partner. He's the CMO at Powder Keg. We've worked together in the past. He is an amazing entrepreneur and visionary himself. And if you want more of Kevin Bailey, my business partner and the CMO at Powder Keg, amazing entrepreneur and visionary and talented integrator and implementer, make sure you check out episode 37 when he and our CTO, Robert Harris, uh, also amazing serial entrepreneur, uh, the two of them are discussing building products that people love. One of my favorite episodes. Again, that's episode 37. And for more stories on entrepreneurs, leaders, and professionals outside of Silicon Valley, make sure you give us a little subscribe on iTunes. You can find us at powderkeg.com slash iTunes. It's a handy dandy link we created just for you. You'll want to subscribe there because we have some amazing guests coming up. So please don't miss that. And while you're at it, please, please, please leave us a review on iTunes. This is how we reach new people. And the positive reviews we've already received have helped us dramatically grow our audience. We've got a helpful companion website at powderkeg.com. You can find show notes for this episode as well as all of the past articles and interviews and even events. So uh, if you're interested in events and meeting me in person or maybe some of the rest of the Powder Keg community, come on out to one of our Powder Keg pitch nights. We have them all over the United States right now. Uh, But at those pitch nights, you can come and connect with other tech entrepreneurs, investors, and professionals that are just like you. We also live stream those events. So if you can't make it out in person or if we're not in your city yet, you can check us out at Facebook facebook.com slash powder keg again you can learn all about those events as well as new articles and episodes of powder keg igniting startups at powderkeg.com i'll see you there or we'll talk to you on the next episode